everybody, and welcome to a new edition of the award-winning Talking About Cars podcast, where it's all about everybody has a car story, from celebrities to car personalities and more. I'm Randy Cardoon. Thanks for joining us this week. It's all about classic cars and car shows in California and Canada. Our California interviews are thanks to our good friends at Carlisle Motors. Now, Carlisle Motors was formed in January of 2011 with a passion for muscle cars and horsepower. Since their formation, they have quickly become known for delivering high-quality classic cars and muscle cars to enthusiasts all over the world. Their nationwide dealership was formed out of a love for the hobby and has now grown into a full-service dealership offering sales, consignments, classic and muscle car services, appraisals, and much, much more. Let them help you with your next car purchase or let them help you make the process of selling your car simple and easy. Check out pictures of the classics currently on the lot. You can visit them at carlylemotors.com. That's C-A-R-L-Y-L-E-M-O-T-O-R-S.com. And learn how they can help you with your current or future classic car. Coming up, I'll be finishing our conversation with my favorite Canuck, Scott Newstead of Cold War Motors out there on YouTube. But first, we catch up with a new show on Netflix. I don't know if you've seen this yet. This is kind of fun. It's about a crew at Gotham Garage, Constance Nunes, who not only happens to have model looks because, well, duh, she's a model, but she also knows her way around a toolbox and an engine. I caught up with Constance and Gotham's Mark Toll and asked about their new Netflix show, Car Masters from Rust to Riches. It's really about like our family and what we do, how we build cars, and we build cars outside the box. We don't do what everybody else does. We don't make Camaros out of Camaros. We make things out of Camaros. I'm really good with a hacksaw, and what I can't cut off, caveman will rip off. <laughs> so it's kind of like it, it, when you watch a show, you get it. It's really hard to describe what we do and where what I think about and where my vision is because I actually listen to what the car says. I know it sounds kind of like weird, but that's really kind of how it works. No, they talk to me. There's a completely that, different deal that, there. That so what did that car say as he was walking? It said, I, I need way higher octane fuel. That is not <laughs> enough for me. <laughs> Someone should put a little whiskey in a tank. It'd be great. Okay, well, that makes complete sense, I think. So what have you made out of a Camaro just for the hand? I actually made a, a a Batmobile out of a Camaro once, very Did long you? time ago. Yeah, I just used the parts. It was convenient. Did you see that one, Constance? Um, I've seen a lot of his projects, yes, and I can tell you he is, he thinks of things that even the average builder, like I've been doing this a long time, and he just, his vision is so different than doing like a classic restoration or something like that. Not that we don't obviously appreciate those two. Um, but it's just stuff that you wouldn't, it wouldn't come to your mind and then you see it in this full scale and it's just so cool and it's so unique and it's so different. And really that's what makes the shop special, it's what makes us special, it's what makes him special is that not everybody can do that um, and that's, that's why people come to us. Now for people who are just looking at Constance possibly for the first time, it is true. <laughs> yeah, right. You're probably the first thing on your mind is going, Man, that girl knows mechanics. But it is true, you've uh, dealt with engine work. Tell us about that. Uh, yeah, no, I, I grew up doing, I mean, building cars my whole life. My dad was a drag car racer, and our whole family is uh, into building. And uh, I, I mean, 
that's what I like to do. I, I like my muscle cars. I think everyone in the shop gives me a really hard time about that. I, yeah. I do like because they're uh, Fords. I do like Fords. I do. I like my little Mustang, um, and it's clean and cute. It uh, doesn't have the Gotham Garage touch on it just yet. She's like, um, thank God. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I. I mean, I just really have a passion for building. I. I like my engine work mostly, but um, you know, I've known Mark for years now, and with knowing him, I've got to kind of graduate into doing other things um, and not just being stuck in the engine bay all the time. Mark, what was your first car? First car? Yeah, how did you start off in this car thing? That uh, we know about? I was raised by a single mom, and she gave me a hundred bucks when I graduated high school. So I went to the local wrecking yard in San Bernardino, and I bought a 65 GTO with a 326 in it. Turns out later, the woman that ordered it checked every box but the big block. So it had everything you could have in it except for the big motor. I barely got it home. And then that's where I learned how to build on cars because I didn't have any money. So it was basically figure it out on your own, pay for the parts, and then do what you got to do. So, and that was my first car, was a 65 GTO. Unfortunately, it's in a little cube now because the highway patrol took it away from me. It is what it is. That was later in life. Do you still have that car? No, it's actually a box now. The highway patrol took it away from me for illegal drag racing and they made a little box out they of crushed it. it. No, they made it in a box back then. Oh, shit. Like in the movie, in, in the, in the movie uh, what's it called, Christine? Yeah. Where they go, yeah. They didn't just smash them and then send them to Mexico and have them, you know, smelt it down. Right. Or China, wherever the hell they all go. Right. No, they made a box out of it in front of me. Uh, was what it was. I see. I, I would imagine that was just to send you a message. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. Now, well, they told me like 12 times, if we catch you again, we're going to do this. No. I'm, I'm a slow learner. It takes 13 times. That's the problem. That's when I learned. Like, they were serious about that. <laughs> <laughs> You guys are kidding. Okay, Constance, what about your first car? Uh, my first car was a 63 Comet. And um, I know. Another Ford, I know. I know. I'm not saying um, nothing. And I was halfway through uh, restoring it, and then um, I caught sight of my Mustang, and I fell in love at first sight. And the Comet went, and I'm pretty sure it's still driving around my hometown, actually. <laughs> it looks a lot better now than it did when I had it. <laughs> somebody, somebody put the love and care into finishing it. So that's that's where it is. So you've actually seen it? Oh yeah, yeah. No, I've seen it driving around. It's painted red now and beautiful, and it's where it should have got to be I see. with somebody else. It wasn't. Uh, it wasn't love. For was it meant to be for you? <laughs> Mark the uh, the car that got away that you wish you had back. Don't have one yet. And as ironic as that sounds, I don't have one yet. Because so, I have not, I'm not dead yet, so I don't know everything that's been through my life to know what I'm missing. Well, yeah, but this question would be kind of silly to ask once you're dead. I don't think I'd get the best answer. Oh, trust me, I'll talk to you. <laughs> yeah, we're going to be doing this again in about 100 years. You'll be like, and so? <laughs> I'll be like, this one with a picture. <laughs> okay, all right. All right, Constance, uh, I could take a wild guess and say you probably don't have a car that got away that you want back, but I'll ask it. Uh, no, because my Mustang really is uh, my my love and all. Uh, yeah, right? Right, exactly. <laughs> I, did, I just don't have that my car Mustang yet. Mustang and I are in a full-blown committed relationship. <laughs> committed relationship. Uh, we, we are till death do us part, so <laughs> it, it's not, it hasn't gotten away, so... 
Okay, we'll wait till he dies and then we'll figure that out. Okay. We'll figure that one out. We'll figure that one out. Absolutely. Okay, so back to your show, and and it's kind of try and get us in and get them a gist for people who haven't seen it. And by the way, it's on Netflix, so you don't have to. You can binge watch the whole thing. There's eight episodes. Yes, eight yeah. Episodes. So tell me a little bit about, for example, how does it work as far as getting a car and making a decision on on what you're going to do. Um, so we're not really a typical shop in the sense of like, we have a client that comes in, they put cash on the table, we build a car, we send it out, good to go. Um, we kind of go off a model of an upgrade and trade system. So everything that we build, we build with the intent to trade or sell for the potential to have another build that will be worth more. So it's just constantly a ladder system to get to, well, the highest number we can get. Okay. Uh, yeah. The goal is always, you know, 100,000, but we like to go a little above that too sometimes. So. Yeah. And every now and then we have to suck it up and take the one bill that pays the bill so we can get to the next level. Because yeah. sometimes cars are fickle. They're like women. Sometimes they take a little longer than expected <laughs> to get ready to go to the dinner. So it is what it is. It's fashionably late. Is how we no, it's it. not. It's late. And plus, it's usually not even me in our group. It's always Sean. It's always Sean. It's always Goldilocks, Sean. Cinderella, you know, the guy that everybody it's goes to. You guys late. going to. And they give me and him so much grip yeah. about, oh, you guys going to marriage counseling and whatever because. <laughs> they they kind of have their own relationship as yeah. well. Yeah. Just, what does Sean do? Sean is the. He has very Wheeler good dealer. Yeah. <laughs> what does Sean do? Stands there and looks pretty. He's the one That's on what our Sean does. Looks pretty. Yeah. He's the guy that knows a guy. Oh, he's the guy. That knows a guy. Knows the guy. He's the guy that knows a guy and puts his stuff together and finds us what we're looking for. He'll find us something that we that like we're after like typically we were after a Zephyr this season. Okay. You have to watch it to figure out how that worked out. Zephyr? But a Zephyr, yeah, which is the the unicorn. Yeah. Oh, it's the unicorn of, of two-door hot rods. Yeah. So it's like that was our goal. Let's meet our goal. Let's do this. And so we like she was saying it's an upgrade and trade it's a ladder. It's do this, do that, do this, do that. Just because we spent 30 grand on a car doesn't mean it's worth 30 grand. That means we put $30,000 worth of money into it. There's $150,000 worth of labor and everything else, but in parts-wise, and that's the. It's really hard to get your head around because everybody goes, "Oh, you can build a $100,000 car for 30 grand," as long as you don't charge for labor. <laughs> and sometimes we're getting paid. Uh, there's no politically correct way to yeah. say it. A buck fifty an hour. Yeah. It is what it is. <laughs> but. As long as we, the, the, our mantra is, as long as you don't lose, you're golden. The day you break even was like, bad idea, don't do that again. I see. Okay, so. So, so Sean kind of brings in the deals that we need. Yeah. He kind of coordinates, you know, because he knows a guy and knows a guy and knows a guy and knows a guy. Uh, he kind of knows everyone that's looking for something. Yeah. So if he's got somebody that has something we need and another person that wants what we need, we can yeah. connect those two things and build that car and trade that for potentially something on if the you, next step. And, and if you watch a show, you'll get the string theory of how that connects to that. He has a string theory, and it's not like science. It's just string theory. It's a typical yeah. string. It's a physical string that goes from that picture to that guy, that guy, that guy, that guy, and that car. Kind of like when you watch like police detective shows. Looks like macrame. Yeah. Like all the pictures we on should, it. We yeah. should get him to go to macrame classes because he could probably make anybody a really nice doily. So it's a connection thing. You, you yeah. put yeah. the string here, and it goes to. But several. he physically uses 
strings yeah. to do it. Just to keep track. Because he's a squirrel. He's just like, what? What? <laughs> no, I'm, and you know what I mean. Squirrel like. Yes. Watch it, you'll yes. see it. We are you'll not, get it. It. We're not. This is. We're understating it yeah, pretty yeah, much. Totally. Well, if I catch this right. It's personalities. It's complete personalities, and that'll certainly be a lot of fun because you have a lot of guys working on the same goal, and you're trying. Yeah. To each well, we all are actually. Yeah. 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 We're all in it together. We really are all a family, and you know, there's good days and bad days, but we're all here to get to this end goal, and we do it together. And everybody helps everybody. Like I said. Even if it's something that maybe isn't our skill set, we all come in and we do it together, and that's what what makes us a little bit different. Then, by the way, every now and then I don't get to be the head at the table. I kind of lose every now and then. Every once in a while, we somehow yeah. like that whole democracy <laughs> thing is not good. I'm not a dictator. I'm screwed because if they outvote me, I'm just kind of like, okay, maybe you guys are seeing something I don't see. Maybe you guys know better than me. We were talking about this before we went on as far as, okay, normally, and again, I'll use the example of uh, uh, Gas Monkey Garage where Richard is there and he's the number one dude and then everybody kind of does their job, but he is the figurehead. You were telling me you really don't have a figurehead. No, because they're, these aren't my employees, they're my family. And we're in this together and it's a collective. I'm, I'm not... And by family, you don't mean blood relatives, you actually just mean family. No, I mean family that I got to pick them, that I didn't get stuck with them. (laughs) So that's a whole different kind of, that's like, that's like, yo, East Coast family. (laughs) You pick them, you don't, you're not born into them. Right, exactly. So it's kind of like, uh, you, it's more about what's the goal and, and where are we going from here to there? How do we get from A to B? I'm not, I'm not the smartest guy on the planet. So I rely on them to go, you know what, now you're just not getting it. Because sometimes I don't get it. But most of the time I get it, and I can convince them. But every now and then they go, you're not getting it. And then I have to stand back and go, you know what, um, I'm not always right. Yeah. Don't Please don't put that on television. No, no. Um, yeah, that edit, chop. This is uh, just a computer. Every now, every now and then, I'm not... Right. <laughs> okay. So like said, it is what it what is. What makes us really different is, like he said, we're not employees. We're he yeah. he pays us to clock in at eight o'clock every day. Yeah. It's not like that. We we kind of elect him to be our leader because we trust. Well, thanks for in that. <laughs> we trust in him to be our leader. We choose for him to be our leader instead of he's the leader that was given right. to us and so that's why we're all here and we follow what he says and we trust that he's going to steer us in the right direction and it's not a situation where you're an employee where it's like okay you have well, no say do yeah. this then you're fired like no we're all no. here to be here and we want to be here and, and we want him to be and they all have a say and their say is as strong as mine so when it comes down there are, there are times when it comes down to a vote and I'll respect the vote because if you don't respect the vote, then you're you're going to lose in the long run. I'd rather win in the short run. That's Constance Nunes and Mark Toll from Gotham Garage from the TV show Car Masters Ruster Riches on Netflix. From the stars, cars, and rock and roll show in Indio, California. Where, by the way, they start an episode with one kind of car. They'll customize it and try to build up to better cars over eight episodes. So... They'll be selling that last car in the last episode for theoretically more and more money. Remember, you could watch one or binge watch all the episodes one right after the other. All right, so let's change gears here. So a few shows ago, I think it was the uh, Talking About Cars number 120, our buddy Scott Newstead from Canada, from the Great White North, from the wildly popular YouTube channel, 
Cold War Motors. He joined me and we talked about how many cars he has on his property located near Edmonton in Alberta. Well, we didn't get a chance to post the entire interview, so here's the rest of it, including talking about his top list of cars he really wants. Remember, number one was a car he already had, a Citroen SM Maserati. Now, the interesting thing about this, that's the same kind of car the guys at Wheeler Dealers, Mike and Ant, told me is at the top of their list, too. The car that you would like to work on but you haven't found yet, as opposed... Here we go. There isn't enough hours left in the day. Well, no, not not necessarily one you want to do you haven't done yet, but one that you want to do you haven't been able to find. Yes, okay. Well, I I can give you a really brilliant answer to a car that we it's we have like a, the holy trinity of cars uh, that we want to get to we're okay. smashing that we've done the healy free fells and the escort cosworth there is another one of the holy trinity that we haven't found hang on let's build this up a bit Uh, we haven't found it, but we are on our way to finding it. A little it. higher, in. and it is. <laughs> We're on our way to finding it, and I'm searching this nation high and low to find the right one. <laughs> we spare no expense on this podcast. <laughs> Both me and Ed are looking for the amazing Citroen Maserati, the Citroen SM. Oh. Oh. <laughs> uh, because that's a, that's a holy trinity car it's everything a car shouldn't be it's the worst of french it's the worst of italian mixed together in a car that happens to be one of the most beautiful looking and evocative sounding uh, amazing cars from the 1970s and uh, it's the next one of the holy trinity for us and it would be the first it would be the, the lead car of any series that we make in the future and, and by uh, the way, if there's anyone out there listening who's got one, please. the market is absolutely crashed. Crash. So we yes. will take $500. <laughs> I'll take it off your hands. <laughs> I'll take it off your hands. Um, yeah, no, we, uh, we, we need one of those uh, desperately. Okay, so Scott's not interested in selling. However, he's thought about uh, if he did sell, what he'd trade for it. Cars that you would trade the SM for, because the SM is one of them. Uh, it's one of the top three cars that I... And it's funny that you ask, because I actually... Uh, I've made this list multiple times and I tell my friends to make the list because otherwise you end up doing what I've done, which is you buy whatever the hell comes along. Mm-hmm. And, and so by having a list, it kind of keeps you at least a little bit focused and you say, would I rather have this or that? Because cars are going to come along. Uh, so Espada, uh, just one of the most amazing cars. Uh, I would just give anything for one. That I've only ever seen one. It's not like they sold a lot of them in I've seen one, but I've never seen one that was decent and together. Espada would be the one. And the thing is, yeah, the other ones I kind of already have. I always wanted a 57 or 8 Plymouth Tudor hardtop. Um, the, uh, that's why uh, when I was watching uh, episodes of your show, I, I had to watch the Richard Carpenter one. Oh, right. He is a huge collector of the forward look cars. And when I was a kid, I would buy, I don't know if you got, you would have collectible automobile magazine, which to me was always the standard uh, for American cars. Uh, And whenever they featured forward look cars, it would always say from Richard Carpenter's collection, or they would always credit him. And I was like, oh man, he must have the most amazing, and he does have the most amazing collection. He does, yeah. That is uh, one, the 57 or 8 Plymouth Tudor hardtop, which I have several of. I just have to put one together. Uh, I have actually all of the forward look cars, uh, 55, 6, 7, 8, 9, 60, and 61. 
uh, not necessarily all the top of the line models, but I do have uh, an example of each one, which was something that I, you know, that's kind of beyond whatever thought I would achieve. And that's why the 59 Fury is so special. And, uh, and it's, uh, it's also going to be a great blueprint for how to restore the other ones because it's a completely untouched car and uh, every little piece of rubber and gasket is exactly as it was put on at the factory the bolts have never been loosened on any of the fenders so it's really an amazing car and so that would be yeah the the 57s and the sm and an espada and i mean uh, i guess part of my problem is i've never really specialize so much in one car you know i mean like some people are just like i you know if you gave them three cars they'd want three different mustangs whereas i can i've never really narrowed it down i mean i'd love a hudson hornet uh, i don't have one i got a couple of hudsons but they're just kind of the mom and pop models but uh, uh the 41 plymouth that i have is a car that i always wanted uh because my grandparents had one and a lot of people uh, you know do have a thing for their cars that they either owned as a kid or that their family owned. So, uh, the 41 Plymouth is one I'd like to do. I have one and you know, it's, it's just, it needs the going through. And, uh, if I could not ever buy another car, I, I would be completely content. I'll never get through the ones that I have. You've been doing these shows now for going on eight years or so. How are you dealing with all the celebrity? I mean, I rarely even leave the yard, so it, it just doesn't come up, honestly. Very occasionally, people will stop in, they'll figure out where I am, and they'll come in. And, and, and that's, you know, it's a bit weird because, you know, I don't really, it just seems so foreign to me that anybody would possibly care uh, at all. But, yeah, I think anybody who thinks that I'm a celebrity has a strange <laughs> idea of a celebrity. Uh, <laughs> certainly... Uh, I was one of the reasons that I always made the dogs the center of the show was so that I wouldn't ever have to uh, try to do that myself. You know, I never wanted to be the first several years. I never even really appeared on any of it because I didn't want it to be about me and I still don't. And it's, uh, it's always been just, uh, you know, just about the cars and having, having some fun with your friends. And if I, wanted a star for my show i made it the dogs and, of course and uh, that's what makes your show as great as it is it's kind of like it's kind of like a nonchalant uh, opportunity to uh low-key go out in the middle and see all these unusual cars and for those of us down here cars like and i think we've talked before about you know the the ones that are half plymouths and half dodges or half mercuries and half fords and chevys and pontiacs and for us down here it's fascinating to see some of those because you don't see them anymore and it's it's always a lot of fun it's surprising how much of it is around here and whereas here uh, I mean, my eyebrows go up. I see a proper American Dodge. Excuse me. I have a couple of uh, actual Royal Lancers, which are the American model Dodges, which uh, are way harder to find here than our what we call them Plodges, which are Plymouth bodies with Dodge front fenders and stuff. And I, I always wondered, well, why? Why did they even do it? But it was because there were so many small towns here that couldn't support both a Plymouth and a Dodge dealership. Uh, so rather than the Dodge dealers having no low-priced car to sell, they put Dodge grills on the cheap Plymouths, and that gave the Dodge dealer uh, something to sell to the people who were otherwise going to drive to a different town to buy a Plymouth. Hmm, interesting. Uh, so it was uh, a very concrete reason for them doing that. Plus, it allowed them to build 
multiple car lines on the same assembly line uh, with just different fenders and such. So they're, yeah, but some of them are very rare, but it doesn't necessarily equate with valuable. Uh, and uh, so uh, the Mayfairs and Viscounts and some of the, the top line Canadian cars are kind of rare and interesting, but at the end of the day, it's a Plymouth with a Dodge front end on it. So, right. Uh, they're not, uh, it's not like we got different engines or anything like that. The, the cars are, you could easily make one, you know what I mean? Other mm-hmm. than the actual badges, the cars themselves, uh, even as far I realized, because now you, you know, you, you start collecting this stuff, you recognize like, Oh, well, what they did here is it's a Dodge front end, but to make the trim lined up, they use a piece of DeSoto molding on the Dodge fender <laughs> and it lines up to the Plymouth door, you know, uh-huh. <laughs> so, you know, eventually you start to, you know, and that stuff is fun uh, to find out and to figure out after, you know, all these number of years. So uh, let's see, you, what's what do we have coming on a show that you're working on right now? What kind of cars are you working on uh, or filming or videotaping for shows upcoming? Uh, the, the final show or the final installation in the 51 Chevy hardtop is coming it's taking a long time because this one i'm actually putting some effort into the production it occurred to me i was doing because i do still scratch and dent bodywork for my dad's friends they dent their vans and whatever you know mm-hmm. and i was doing that the other day and i was putting you know fixing this van and, and i'm out on the driveway on my knees in the gravel and i'm grinding away on this you know just 10 year old vans and whatever and it occurred to me i'm like you know i was doing this exact same thing for the same customer 30 years ago like, except it was my dad's driveway instead of mine. And I thought, you can keep doing this until you physically cannot actually stand up anymore. Or do you, is this really advancing your career in a direction that you want? And so I kind of decided just over the last month that I might actually have to take the YouTube thing a little bit more seriously, try to put out some more videos and actually try to produce something that is just a, a little beyond what I've been doing now. Try to make it a little better uh, and make it and spend some more time on it. Would you and, would you want to do this on velocity or history or whatever discovery out in your area? Uh, it has come up and uh, I don't know. Part of me says no because I do everything myself and I have complete control over it, even to the music and everything. I mean, I actually sit here at this little desk and I'll play my guitar into my phone and then I'll email it to my computer because I don't have any recording equipment, you know? Oh, okay. (laughs) So if I need background music, I have to like record it into a voice memo and then email it to myself like six inches away and then I can install (laughs) it. uh, So, I mean, the, that kind of thing I could do better. And and Uh, you do your own editing, right? Yeah, I do everything. Uh, I, and that's kind of what's been fun about it for me is, I mean, it's certainly the quality of it is not great, but I'm doing 100% of it myself. Okay. And so I have complete control over what comes out of, out of what I'm doing. And that is more important to me. I think just because I think even if it is not successful, I want it to be something that I am satisfied with. Uh, and so uh, as soon as you hand any of that over, it becomes a job and it becomes less of a reflection of what I wanted and more a reflection of what will sell Pepsi. And that I understand, you know, 
And uh, one of the reasons that my channel has never gotten very big and never makes any money is because I do Peugeot diesel challenge, you know, like nobody's watching that, you know. <laughs> uh, but and, you like it. But I'm doing the cars that I wanted. And I'm having fun and I'm doing my own, uh, you know, and I'm happy with it and I'm proud of it when it's finished. And if seven people watched it, well, you know, whatever. And that was always the thing is that I haven't done anything specifically for YouTube. All the stuff that I'm doing, all the cars that I bought and setting up the yard the way I have and all that stuff, that was all happening anyway. And part of the idea of the YouTube channel was that I could just film what I'm doing anyway and that there would be a tiny percentage of people out there who might think it was interesting. So that is how it has carried on. I... Yeah, I mean, I for for I guess it would depend. Like, I just don't think there, there's enough money in it that somebody could pay me what I would want to to hand it over to somebody else. And and I did say to the last people that asked that you know for enough money I'll do it in a dress. I don't care. <laughs> but I just don't I don't think that they have enough money. You know? And I'm not. I'm not greedy. I'm just very attached to the way I'm doing it now. And you don't and, want to do it in a dress. I get it. Uh, well, I mean, enough money, right? <laughs> I, just don't, I just don't think there's that much money. There's just not that much money in that. I hear, uh, I hear yeah. you on that. Okay, um, so so remind us again uh, how people can see it. It's obviously on YouTube, and you also are on the web where? Oh, well, it's just on YouTube uh, under Cold War Motors, all one word. And uh, what else do we have out there? I don't have any. You don't do Facebook. the you don't do the blog spot anymore. Oh well, it's still there. Yeah, there's okay. the blog spot, which I started the YouTube channel hoping it would generate some traffic for the blog, but uh, because I really enjoyed the writing about you know, and I had created this alternate universe where uh, where I was. You know, where Cold War Motors was this gigantic, insane bureaucracy, and I was this Howard Hughes kind of figure who was, you know, just just funneling huge amounts of illicit cash into these terrible car ideas. And I thought it was, but, you know, it, it ended up very quickly that the YouTube channel was a much more accessible and, uh, as it turned out, popular uh, uh, facet of it. And unfortunately, I, it, it takes enough time that I haven't had much time for the writing. Uh, I still would like to do it, but I have to be realistic. If I've got eight hours, the videos are starting to take eight to ten hours of editing just to put something that's watchable together. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I have a Instagram page, I think, where it's just pictures of uh, Frankers posed in front of whatever junk I'm working on. Mm -hmm. And that's it. I don't have any Facebook. I mean, I, I could get all that, but then that all it all comes with a cost that I'm just not really interested in. Right it takes now. time and it takes brain cells and I hear you. Yeah. I just kind of, I like, I like that it's a little bit under underground, if that's the word, uh, you know, I like that. It's not that it, that it's something that people are like, Oh, you know, you know, that it's kind of a small thing. Uh, and it'll probably stay that way. I mean, I'd like it to be successful. I'd like to, you know, have, have it generate enough that I could do it for a living. Mm -hmm. And I may, uh, work towards that and I'm going to work towards that, but I, uh, it's, it's going to be difficult to, to do, to make, to have it make money and still be what 
what I wanted to do. And sure. So it's a it's a challenge. Scott Newstead from his Cold War Motors YouTube channel. You really have to check out his videos. They're really a lot of fun, and and I, they're just mesmerizing for car guys. That's just kind of the way it worked for me too. Just a reminder: don't forget to subscribe to all of our new podcasts here on Radio.com, KNX1070.com, or if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, subscribe to us, rate us five stars. Be really cool, and please write a review. And if you want to sponsor an episode or seven of Talking About Cars, make sure you reach us at Talking About Cars at gmail.com. Our website is talkingaboutcars.net, where I include some background to some of the interviews that you'll be listening to. We're also on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and watch our videos on Facebook. Until next time, I'm Randy Cardoon. Join me as we have some fun talking about cars. Talking about cars.